In order to graduate from college, I had to complete an internship in my major, which was apparel design. Fashion internships are not the easiest to get, especially if you are not enrolled at FIT or Parsons or living in New York City or Los Angeles. They're not easy to come by and they are typically unpaid. A lot of fashion programs require you to complete an internship, and of course, those working in the industry know this, often because they too went through it themselves. In this eighth episode of the first season, I want you to consider the following questions while listening. Are unpaid internships criminal? Are they exploitative? Is an unpaid internship a form of unpaid labor? Welcome to Most Fashionable Crime, a fashion-related true crime podcast hosted by me, Taryn. If you want to be on trend, make sure to sign up for the newsletter, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and follow the podcast on Twitter at Most Fashionable and Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Most Fashionable Crime. There is also a discussion group on Facebook and a Reddit community, which are both linked in the notes. I wanted to give a special shout out to those that are forever trending, which are the supporters of this podcast. I appreciate you all so much. And there's a link in the notes if you would like to support too. Three ways to support most fashionable crime are to share this podcast with anyone who may like it or may not know yet that they will like it. Leave a five-star rating and or a review if you are listening on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and just listen and engage on social media. Matter of fact, while you're listening right now, go ahead and share this to your Instagram story. This episode may end up being a bit of a debate amongst listeners. An internship by definition is the position of a student or trainee who works in an organization, sometimes without pay, in order to gain work experience or satisfy requirements for a qualification. A lot of people may envision the Devil Wears Prada when it comes to interning in fashion, but it's typically none of the glitz nor the glam Andy ended up having to an extent. You aren't allowed to borrow from the wardrobe closet. You typically don't have direct access to the higher-ups within the company. In my case, I sourced fabric and materials, assisted in styling for Fashion Week presentations and photo shoots, and helped construct evening wear and costumes. I am blessed to have never done a coffee run or any personal errands for someone. That is actually very rare when it comes to interning in general. However, one time I was asked to pick up firewood. Fortunately or unfortunately, I am unable to control my facial expressions for the most part. So right after the question mark left his lips, he abruptly said, never mind. I didn't even know New York City had a Lowe's, but it is home to a lot of major American fashion labels and companies. A few notable ones headquartered in the city are Calvin Klein, Ralph Lauren, Rent the Runway, and Condé Nast. Now let's get into the story. On September 22, 1987, a corny family sitcom that was set in San Francisco, California, made its debut. There were three grown men living in a house raising three kids. If you haven't figured it out, the show is called Full House. This Brady Bunch type of show has bred some interesting people, but I will focus on the Olsen twins who seem to stay out of the press for the most part. Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen are the true breakout stars of Full House. And you might be wondering where they are. Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen are both officially retired from the entertainment industry as of 2012. 
These five foot zero, round eyed, and round shaped head girls were everywhere in the early 2000s. At this time, you cannot walk around Walmart without seeing their faces staring at you. This duo is considered to be two of the greatest child stars of all time. In 1996, the twins, and I'm sure a family representative, founded a company called Dual Star. Dual Star Entertainment Group spawned many subsidiaries such as Dual Star Clothing, Dual Star DVD, and Dual Star Books. The Olsen twins were everywhere and getting to their bag, which is why when they decided to take their multi-million dollar empire and fully launch their careers in fashion, no one was really surprised because around their teenage and young adult years, they started becoming known for their bohemian chic fashion. They had brands called The Row and Elizabeth and James. While we're here... I learned from Twitter recently that a lot of people didn't know that Elizabeth Olsen is the younger sister of Mary-Kate and Ashley. They all, including their brother James, basically have the same face. I recall a song they had where in the lyrics they discuss how they want to sell their younger sister, Elizabeth, for an affordable 50 cents. Elizabeth and James is now sold exclusively at Kohl's, where I'm sure Miss WandaVision has plenty of merch to keep her namesake comfortable. The label they are most known for is The Row, which started in 2006. The name stems from Salva Row, which is a street in central London, England, known for its traditional bespoke tailoring for men. While The Row started off with only a seven-piece collection, the label has seen great success. The apparel can be described as minimalistic with a lot of straight lines. It's also very expensive. They recently launched a kidswear line in September of this year, and for $1,760, you can dress your kid in a full cashmere set, which consists of a crew neck, pants, and cardigan. You can also throw in a matching cashmere beanie for an additional $290, which would bring your total to $2,050. Their fashion venture started early, and in 2004, they received praise from the National Labor Committee for requiring their workers in Bangladesh who worked on their clothing line at the time take full maternity leave. Eight years or perhaps even sooner, things seem to have taken a turn. In 2012, Mary-Kate and Ashley won their first CFDA award. If you don't remember from the previous episode, CFDA stands for the Council of Fashion Designers of America. 2012 is also the year in which one of their former design interns did not have the best experience working for their label, The Row, which is housed under Dual Star Entertainment Group. According to Page Sits, a class action suit was filed in 2015 to the Manhattan Supreme Court. The lead plaintiff in the case is Shahista Lilani. Shahista Lilani claims she was working 50 hours a week from May until September in 2012. Before we get deeper into the story, I want to point out that in this case, at least for Lilani, she was working directly with the head technical designer of The Row, and not the Olsons. She was quoted as saying she did meet them a couple of times in meetings and she liked them. I know a lot of people listening aren't familiar with fashion industry roles and terms. A technical designer in fashion is someone that takes the design and makes sure that the end product has the correct fit and size according to industry and brand standards and specifications. I will put examples of the work a technical designer does on the website in case you want or need a better understanding. 
Lalani was a student at the Parsons School of Design at the time of her 2012 internship, and she was studying fashion and apparel design. She says that the head technical designer was very demanding. Things she mentions are things that people are still expressing almost 10 years later when it comes to toxic workplace environments. Things such as communication all day and night, with emails being sent to her at 10 p.m. Other typical fashion intern tasks include carrying garments to factories. In Lilani's case, this was carrying at least 50 pounds worth of trench coats to a factory in 100 degree weather. She also had to run personal errands for paid employees, organize buttons by color, sew, cut patterns, and make tech pads, all while the paid employees were being mean to her and other interns. She also points out that she would also find interns crying, which is something I always hear about when working in fashion, no matter the company. All of this is mentioned in court documents obtained by the Washington Post. She says she was doing the work of three interns and honestly the work of a paid employee. The really sad part about this is that she wasn't even receiving academic credits for this internship. And because of the stress she endured, she ended up being hospitalized for dehydration. The hours you are expected to work versus the hours you are required to work are always interesting to me. During my internships, the paid employees I worked with or for were always surprised that I left on time, and even in the full-time paying jobs I've had, people have looked at me dumbfounded when I leave when the clock strikes 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. Towards the end of the day of one of my internships, I had a designer tell me I was throwing shade because I said something like, I would finish a task before I got off at 6 p.m., I guess this struck a nerve for him, but at the end of the day, literally like Magic Johnson said, I'm not going to be here. (laughs) And I wasn't. I quit that evening. Fast forward three years later to 2015 when the lawsuit is filed. The suit had a total of 40 interns from both the past and present. By the time the lawsuit was settled in 2017, Dualstar had to pay $140,000 to 185 interns. According to MarketWatch, each of the 185 former interns were paid a whopping $530, and $41,950 was paid to the legal team of the opposing side. This would not put a dent in the Olsen's combined net worth of about $500 million or dual stars where the role is estimated to make somewhere between $100 and $200 million in sales per year. Are the Olsen twins the only ones that have been sued over unpaid internships? No. Condé Nast was also subject to a lawsuit. Condé Nast, mentioned at the beginning of the episode, is a mass media company, and some of the publications housed under them include Vogue, Vanity Fair, GQ, Architectural Digest, and Pitchfork. Anna Wintour is the Artistic Director and Global Chief Content Officer for Condé Nast, and she is also the editor-in-chief of Vogue. Going back to the Devil's Wear Prada reference, in the film adaptation of the book of the same name, which is a Ramona Clay, Miranda Priestley was based on Anna Wintour, in case you didn't know. The book was written by Laura Weisberger, the former assistant at Vogue to Anna Wintour, 
who drew from her own experiences and that of her friends to develop Andy, played by Anne Hathaway, in the movie. In 2014, Condé Nast was ordered to pay a $5.8 million settlement in a class action lawsuit. According to Reuters, about 7,500 interns dating back to 2007 were included in this lawsuit. Each intern would receive between $700 and $1,900, according to Business Insider. Condé Nast canceled their internship program in June 2013, shortly after the lawsuit was filed. According to one former intern named Lauren Ballinger, she was paid $1 per hour to organize accessories in the W Magazine fashion closet. I recently watched an episode of Get Organized with a Home Edit on Netflix, and those ladies charged between $185 and $250 for their organization service. Another intern by the name of Matthew Lee was paid $300 and $500 during a summer internship in 2009 and another summer internship in 2010, where his job was to proofread and edit for The New Yorker eight hours a day for three days a week. With so much talk about the great resignation and the desire for increased pay and a better work-life balance, I thought this would be a great episode to talk about what could be considered a gateway to this type of workplace environment meaning these unpaid internships. In the MarketWatch article I mentioned earlier, they talk about how in a 2016 survey, it was found that paid interns at private companies had a 72% chance of receiving a job offer versus the 44% chance of receiving a job offer for unpaid interns. Unpaid internships are built for those who are privileged, and I talk more about that in this week's YouTube video on the Most Fashionable Crime channel, so head over there and watch the video once you finish listening. Going back to the questions I asked at the top of the episode, are unpaid internships criminal? Are they exploitative? Is an unpaid internship a form of unpaid labor? If you feel comfortable sharing your thoughts, feel free to leave a comment on Instagram at Most Fashionable Crime or tweet MFC at Most Fashionable. There should also be a poll and a Q&A option if you are listening on Spotify that appears at the bottom of the podcast episode page on the Spotify mobile app. Also, if you ever interned, I would love to hear about your experience. Was it paid or unpaid? Did you enjoy it? Did it lead you to a job? Let me know. Thank you so much for listening to Most Fashionable Crime. And don't forget to sign up for the newsletter so you don't miss anything. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, download episodes, and leave a five-star rating if you are listening on Apple Podcasts. All of my sources are linked in the notes. In case you are wondering, this podcast was written, recorded, produced, and edited by me, Taryn. All the music you heard in the episode is from Epidemic Sound. 